Welcome to the Negotiation Society podcast, where today we have good friend Kate Cash. Uh, Kate and I met a while back, almost eight, maybe even 10 years ago, when she was working for Wrigley. Um, as a Chicago native, we'll say, and a graduate of UMass Amherst and then uh, Loyola University, where she got her MBA in marketing, she went into the CPG world, where she has 15 years working for the likes of Wrigley on nearly all accounts, the Rite Aids, the Aldis, the Big Lots, the 99 cents. Uh, she then went to Mars, where she was the senior customer marketing manager for M&Ms, the team lead for analytics and operations for new transactions, the sales director for North America for the kind adjacencies, and is now the vice president of sales for Good Pop. She is also the mom to five-year-old Alden and two two-year-old twin daughters, Thora and Vera. Kate, awesome to see you again. Hey, Mike. It is so good to be with you today. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course. So we know a little bit about your history, but where did how did you get to where you are today? I mean, I have no idea. I pinch myself pretty much daily uh, at this point. You know, I think careers, all careers are filled with so many twists and turns um, that, you know, never exactly pan out the way you plan. And I certainly did not plan. Um, and it's been really one one heck of a journey so far. I mean, you know, as you as you referenced, I spent the first 15 years uh, of my career in really growing up in a really wonderful, wonderful company of, of Mars. Um, you know, I, I, even a year removed from it, still believe it's one of the best companies, private or public, uh, on the in the globe. Um, really trying to make the world a better place um, than the one we've inherited. Uh, and I consider myself extremely fortunate to have spent so much time there um, across quite a few jobs. Uh, and it gave me the sort of strength and wherewithal to, to take a leap of faith in myself uh, and a leap of faith in what I had learned at Mars uh, to move to Texas uh, and work on a relatively small brand of, of better for you frozen novelties and treats. Uh, and that's good pop. And, and we are doing some really incredible things. We're doing some we're planning some great innovation that's really geared towards families who are looking to make a better choice as part of a, a happy, healthy life. And, you know, how I've got here, I mean, you know, it's kind of been an impromptu recipe I couldn't have written 20 years ago. Um, certainly quite a bit of hard work, uh, more than my fair share of luck. And I think, the, you know, the last few things, a willingness to love something about every job that I've been in and the, the people that I've met along the way. So when I talk about the willingness to love something about every job that I've been in, you know, we all know that not every job is created equal on the sort of fun scale. Um, you know, as an example, as you, as you mentioned, I was working uh, on M&Ms and it was, uh, it was such a fun job. I mean, we were, it was a you know, global brand. We had all the support, all the FaceTime with the president of Mars North America, we were working on the biggest launch in category history. At the time, we just hoped that's what it would be, and and it turned out that way. I mean, we we were doing activations in Times Square and sponsoring major uh, TV events. We were, um, gosh, we were, we were just having so much fun in this creative job. And you know what? I did well in this job. It fit my strengths. Um, it was creative. It was people-oriented. It was about driving to consensus. Uh, and because I did well, and in a reorg, I was promoted into a data and analytics role. And, you know, reflecting back on it now, I have to be honest that I wasn't so psyched about that. Um, 
I kind of mourned for the role that I thought I would do on M&M is really for years. I was so happy that I would have done that probably for the rest of my career. Um, but I had to quickly figure out if I was going to be successful in this next role, what that was going to mean. So I sort of, you know, put up, put on my big girl pants and said, okay, data and analytics, what is this going to mean? I got to build my first team. I had my per- first uh, people leadership role. I think in two and a half years, I get to hire more than 16 people and get most of them promoted. I got to see a side of the business that I didn't even know existed, um, which is sort of surprising for the mature business that we were. So I was working on food service, specialty retail, and e-commerce, which at the time, you know, nobody knew what to do with. And I worked for uh, a leader, Andrew Capron. He's still one of the best guys I know, one of the best leaders who every day, no matter how deep in spreadsheets on, you know, vending data and how do we figure out how to convert consumption out at non-measured retail back into shipments through an indirect distributor uh, to calculate a trade projection, um, he would say, yeah, it's the best day ever. Um, And he was right. I mean, I walked away from that role with a view to a business, as I said, I, I, I didn't know about before, um, with skills as a people leader, as someone who, who knows how to hire folks um, to coach and to mentor, uh, and really for a respect for the, the difficulties and the challenges of the non-sexy side of the business. And so learning that and appreciating that and having fun with that um, it taught me a lot when it was when I was ready to go do a bigger role with a bigger breadth. Um, that it wouldn't just be about the sexy stuff, but about uh, about about the the nitty gritty, and that was uh, beautiful too. That's such a great answer. I mean, a, a huge amount of learning in that response. Be open minded. I like that you said seeing a side of the business that no one knew existed, the old scale version of Omni, which now is, of course, the a very very hot topic. Uh, with your new role, so as the VP of Sales, what's the best thing about your role at GoodPop? Uh, and, you know, and some of your, your previous podcast guests have talked about when you go from a big company to a little company, you get the chance to um, see everything, you know, see behind the curtain, sit down with the head of R&D or procurement, and really understand that side of the business. And that has been you know, coming from a big company where everybody has a specific job and a sort of siloed function. That has been absolutely super fun. Um, but I think my favorite part uh there are a few at Good Pop. <laughs> Probably too many to count. Um, we're still small enough as a brand uh, and as a team that everything that we do at Good Pop, every decision we make, whether it's for today or 2025, I can put my fingerprint on just a little bit. So even talking about you know something simple like our innovation for next year, I can look at it and say, "Wow, I, I did that. That was." That part was my idea, you know, um, our marketing campaign. That, that, that part was my idea. I see my influence on that. You know, we're, we're, we're in a place where everyone we bring on to Good Pop you still has the ability to adjust the DNA of this brand just a little bit to tweak it. Um, so the, this brand is a reflection of the people that work here. And I can truly, truly say that. And so as we look back in five or six years, uh, I think all of us are going to be really proud of what we've created. And then, you know, the other thing, um, I joined this team and I have been able to build my team. And at Good Pop, 
building a team means that I can really choose the right people. They may not tick all the right boxes or all the experiences, um, uh, you know, check all the boxes of what they've done in the past and what I need them to do in the future. I can hire people who are the right people, who are smart, who are willing to learn, and who are absolutely in this for the right reasons. Uh, I was out last night. Uh, my team are in town for um, you know our sort of biannual Good Pop full staff meeting, and I was out with the sales team um, that largely has been has been put together over the last uh, twelve months. And I was so moved by the way we were talking over some complex problems and, you know, Omaira is reaching over to give Richie some advice on this and Richie's giving Marty some advice on this. And, you know, Jason's sort of telling us an incredible story about something that happened to him and we're all learning from it. Um, I'm building like a magical team of unicorns who are out there representing a really special brand every day with all of their hearts. And I, and I think that's going to be our, our key to success long-term. We're doing everything for the first time as a team. So for me, who's doing the first, uh, doing a lot of the stuff for the first time in my career, to be able to do that alongside of folks who are also doing it for the first time is really cool because it's created this very supportive environment where we can make mistakes, learn from them quickly and move on, which is what you, you hear you want to do when you, you know, you're in business school. That's exactly right. right. It's nice, nice when you can tie um, what you've learned as you go through theoretically in the business school and actually into the real world. You know, make mistakes but learn from them quickly. And as a leader, it seems like you allow your teams to make those mistakes, subject to you guys learning from it. Thankfully, they're all way smarter than me, so they wake up make way less mistakes than I do. <laughs> I listen. I doubt that. I know how smart you are. How uh, how important is it to be customer centric? In your role, in in this case, is the customer the retailer or is the customer the end user? So the purchaser, me. Mm. Uh, and I'm glad you're a purchaser. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, Good Pop doesn't ex- exist without our customers, from our our distributors to our retail partners, all the way to the end shopper or you know customer. And every decision we make uh, is with all of those customers in mind, from the supply chain through our marketing, our sales team, we all know that we have layers of customers to service. You know, we have a great product um, that consumers are looking for. We are a clean product. We are no added sugar, 100% fruit juice. You know, we're we're really trying to make um, clean products that taste truly as delicious as the stuff we've all been eating our whole lives. Um, But we have to make sure that we are supporting our retailers appropriately and differently. You know, not all retailers have the same strategy for how they're reaching the customer. And if we sort of shoehorn in good pop strategy strategy to each of them, ultimately, we won't be as, as successful and we won't be as valuable partners to our retailers. So it's really important that we are in every meeting listening to what their key priorities are. And actually, good pop is figuring out how to bend and shift and mold against each of those strategies. That makes perfect sense. And as a a shameless plug, even though I get no comp or product or anything from Kate, the cherry and (laughs) lemonade um, good pop is, it's so good. And that's definitely a favorite in my household. I'm glad to hear it. How how important is negotiation within your conversations that you have on a daily? Yeah, I mean, negotiation is life, right? Like it's not just... 
uh, for, for work. It's, you know, honey, if you do the dishes, I'll do the laundry, you know, clean your room and you can have a cookie. Um, you know, if you put this product on an end cap, I'll give you three ads. I mean, certainly, but we talk about negotiation always as it, maybe it's a dirty word or as it's, it's a big event. And sometimes it certainly is, you know, a big event, but negotiation is everywhere and in every conversation. And it's really about figuring out what the other party needs and what we need. And, you know, working together to dance to, to get both, both of us what we need. I think the biggest thing about negotiation is we're a building as a budding brand is that it's a lot less of, you know, massive asks and, and huge, huge requests. And it's really around, you know, if you do this and I do this and we agree to this at the end of the day, I need to uphold my end of the bargain. You know, I need to make sure that I do what I say I'm going to do. Um, because when I can deliver on that promise, I can build trust. And when I can build trust, you know, I, I can be someone um, that becomes a partner. I think your point around trust is critical. I mean, the do what you say you can do, you know, because it elicits trust. And that that speaks directly to the relationships I think you've you've grown and certainly what I know of you um, in your previous world with Wrigley. Are you um, are you willing to talk about any super successes or possible disasters within a <laughs> negotiation framework? I mean, yeah, like so I mean, so many disasters. I, I mean, all of the disasters in negotiation I've ever had had started with me coming in with my punch list and not taking a second to say, what does this person need to, um, you know, and in, in all of those situations, I'm either going to walk out unsuccessful or I'm going to really have to pivot to understand what the other party is trying to get from me. Um, that is like critical and, and fundamental. I, I say that, but I think actually the worst negotiation I've ever been a part of, I had twins, as you mentioned, during the pandemic, and I really needed a third row in my car. And trying to buy a car during the pandemic, I mean, I had the professional flinch. I opened extreme. I stomped my feet and walked out. I brought in competitive pricing and I lost. I lost real bad, but I really needed that car. So, uh, you know, Listen, you know, you went somewhere. Don't buy a some. car so, during the pandemic. Yeah. Did Did you ultimately succeed at getting a third row? Did you, did uh, you yeah, get a car yeah. with a third row? Yeah, and I paid way too much for it. But yeah, yeah, I guess value, assigning value. Well, you know, the thing is, things are worth what anyone is willing to pay for them, and if it provides <laughs> convenience for you, and you can fit, um, you can fit Alden, Thor, and Vera in, then I think you're okay. Fair enough. What is the most important lesson you've learned as a negotiator? Tactically, um, it sounds simple, you know, know what you actually want. You know, if you walk in sort of going, oh, we'll see how this goes, you're not going to create the most value for you. And it won't be that you've been taken, you know, to the cleaners by the other party. It's that you didn't know what you were trying to create. Um, so do your research and do your pre-work. Um, really find out what you want. That makes and then, you know. Sense. Yeah, um, it's all you're, you've you've had uh, guests before say it's all about you know it's, it's really just a person on the other side of the table and and that's so true right, but w like what that means for me is that this is such a small industry. I mean, leaving one company after 15 years to to venture out, I'm running into the same folks. I'm talking to the same folks at retailers, you know, at, at trade shows. Um, it's a small world, so be someone that they want to see again. 
And you can do that by really going into a negotiation, looking to create truly mutual value for both of you. And if you can do that, and as I said earlier, you can do what you say you're going to do and you can follow through, then you're going to be someone they want to negotiate with when they run into you five years or 10 years down the road. And, you know, hopefully you can be someone that they call when they have an incremental opportunity or a chance to try something new. Um, you know, yeah, we're all people. I mean, be a, be a decent human being. Don't make this miserable for anyone. We're all working so hard, um, except when buying cars and then, you know, no holds <laughs> exactly. barred. Exactly. I love the line, be someone they want to see again. That's a that's a great line. What advice would you give to other people with similar career aspirations? <laughs> oh, man. I guess make friends, you know, um, have fun. Look to the future and have a plan and all that. But, you know, find joy in what you're doing today. Not only because you never know, you know, what life will throw at you, uh, good and bad, but because down the road, you know, people want to work with people who enjoy doing what they do. And, and I'm pretty sure that if you can be someone that people want to work with, you're going to have a lot more opportunities than, than not. That's very cool advice. Find joy in what you do and uh, make some friends and definitely have some fun. <laughs> have fun. All right. Last, uh, last question for you. Is there a secret to surviving the and a recession for your good pop brands? Well, it wouldn't be fair to answer that today. I think you'll have to ask me again in five years. Um, but I think if we can have a product that consumers really want, right? And at Good Pop, we're fortunate to have a, a product that consumers really want. It has to be a product that consumers are or know is special enough that they're willing to pay for it to bring you into their house um, at a time when belts are tight, right? That you can make their lives better and that they can't get from another brand. So finding what makes you unique and making sure you stick to that, whatever your brand offers, you know, making sure that it's what the consumer wants, that'll be good. But two, I've kind of touched on this through all of the questions, I guess, be, be a good partner. You know, when times are tough, they're going to be tough for everybody. And so how can you, how can you be the first person on the call list? Um, don't make it harder for everyone else than it has to be. And I think we'll all get through this together. Okay. As always, you, um, you have incredible insight and you certainly have a huge amount of CPG experience in many different avenues with uh, two very significant uh, companies. One, rather large and one on the up and up due to your leadership. Uh, you talked a lot about being open-minded and um, having having fun, find joy in the things you do. Make sure you see the side of the business that no one might have known existed. So we talked a bit about Omni uh, and be someone they wanna see again. And that's, that's just really valuable feedback and I appreciate you sharing it. And that, you know, finally you talked about do what you say and then actually mm -hmm. do what you say you can do so that it elicits trust and always think about what does a consumer really want and what makes you unique. And I think all of that advice is really going to go a long way, uh, certainly for us at TGP, but also for our listeners. The one thing we won't take from you is how to buy a car, though, because clearly some challenge there. 
Don't do it during the pandemic. That's all I can say. Next pandemic, don't buy a car. That's right. right. Avoid buying a car during all pandemics. All right, Kate, listen, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time. Wish you nothing but luck uh, with Good Pop. And uh, I won't be surprised when Good Pop takes over the world with you at the helm. (laughs) Thank you so much, Mike. It's It's been really fun to reflect on this stuff.